Thank you for listening, and we hope this message will strengthen and help you in your walk with God. If you have your Bibles, open it with me to Isaiah 43, and then we'll go to Judges 6, and I'll try to do the very best I can to tie all this together to encourage you on how to receive God's promises for your life. Ironically, um, or, or divinely, I guess I should say, uh, say it like this, but uh, next Saturday, uh, we were asked, uh, we're, we're not going to be here, we can't, we can't make it, but if you can go, it'd be great. Down in Jefferson City, they're going to release the Truman Blessing. He said, what is the Truman Blessing? Well, uh, Harry Truman, who's from the state of Missouri, when he was president, was the president, the last person uh, the re- but he was he represented the United States, but they needed one more candidate to sign off for Israel to become a nation, and he was the one. He was the deciding vote, and so I believe because of that, that's why uh, Missouri, uh, Missouri is so blessed, amen, because of what he did. Isaiah 43, 18 says, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things, uh, things of old. Behold, I knew a new thing. You know, I, I want you just to try to let your imagination go, but what's a new thing? Think about it. What's a new thing? It's something we've never seen before. Okay, so, you know, number one, if I said I have a new car, you're expecting something, you know, for me to drive up and something that you haven't seen me ever have before. So, number one, a new thing is something you've never had before, right? Okay, number two, a new thing could be something that no one's ever had before. Now, nothing's new with God because he's the Alpha and the Omega. So he, he already knows, you know, that for this time and this season, what he's planning on doing. But he's going to do a new thing. And it goes on, behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? Question mark. Other words, there are some who are going to know it and recognize it. But you know what? There are going to be others who don't. I want to know it. How about you? I want to keep my ear as the... Uh, the word came to us to the ground. In other words, I want to hear what the Spirit of God's saying. God's doing a new thing. You never know what God's going to do when the Holy Ghost is in the house. Come on, somebody. You know? But everything's for your edification, for your good, to build you up, to strengthen you, to encourage you. Why? Because God loves you so much, He wants you to have His very best. Tell your neighbor God wants you to have His very best. I will even make a road in the wilderness. In other words, a new road. A new path, you know, a brand new path. Rivers in the deserts. Uh, the beasts, they'll even honor me. The jackals and the ostrich, because I give water in the wilderness. Rivers in the deserts, and to give a drink to my people. This people I form, my, uh, form for myself, and they, uh, they shall declare my praise. Why, why won't we declare his praise? Because he's doing a new thing. It's going to be awesome. I mean, it's going to be fantastic. You know, where, where there's no rivers, there's going to be rivers. You know, maybe in the natural realm that could be true. But in other words, what God's saying is, I'm going to make a way when everything else says there is not a way. Well, how do we get to that particular place? Go with me to Judges chapter 6. This is a time when Israel didn't have a king, but they were, you know, trying to follow God according to the law, best they could. And uh, as a nation, they didn't have a king at this particular time, so the prophets were the ones who spoke as an oracle of God. God wanted to be their king. God wanted to be the ruler of this particular nation. 
And so here in verse uh, chapter uh, 6 of Judges, starting with ch- uh, verse 1, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, so the Lord delivered them into the hands of Midian for seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel because the Midianites, the children of Israel, made for themselves the dens and the caves and strongholds were, which were in the mountains. In other words, if you know the story of Israel, God brought them into the promised land and gave them houses that they didn't build. But because they quit serving God and putting God first, all the bless, they lost all the blessings of God. Now they're oppressed. They don't have enough. So it was whenever Israel had sown, in other words, when they did you know, their, their farming, the Midianites would come up, the Amakites, and the people of the east would come up against them. You know, Every time they would have a crop, here would come the enemy. And they would encamp against them, destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza, or Gaza, and leave no substance in Israel, neither sheep, nor ox, nor donkey. Now, this is a sad time. They're all oppressed. You know, there's, there's not enough for everybody to go around. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents, uh, coming in as numerous as locusts. And they and their camels were without number, and they would enter the land and destroy it. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord that the Lord sent a prophet. Now this is what was spoken to us by a prophet. These two men are known to be prophets of God. So the Lord has sent us a prophet, but not only one. We've had several of these prophecies. Like Vicki spoke a couple of Thursday, Thursday nights ago. She said, you know, how many times did God tell the children of Israel, I'm taking you into the promised land. I'm taking you into the promised land. I'm taking you into the promised land. Well, he eventually took them into the promised land. He speaks these things. The scripture says he'll let the prophets know before anybody else. And this, all of these words have been given to this church and this house for you not just for us because we're the pastors, but for you. It's been spoken year after year after year after year because God's trying to say something, and we need to get hold of it. So the Lord sent a prophet to the children of Israel and said, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt, brought you out of the out of house of, of bondage. I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians, talking about what he did you know, years before this, and out of the hand of all who oppressed you and drove them out before you and gave you their land. So God just gave them houses and lands and vineyards and crops and just really blessed them. Also I say to you, said to you, I am the Lord your God. Do not fear the gods of the Amorites. That means reverence them. Don't serve them, all right, in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. So the prophets come and say, look, you know, you made some wrong decisions and you have left the door for the evil one to come. So basically what he's saying here is you need to repent. Where repent's not coming up to the altar and saying, oh God, I'm so bad and I made all these mistakes. No, repent is just coming back to God. Doing it God's way. The scripture says when the enemy comes in, and I like to say it like this, when the enemy comes in, like a flood, God raises a standard against them. At the first of this year, I took a whole month to teach on the standards of God. Because when we live according to God's standards, those standards resist the power of darkness. In fact, I was talking to a pastor just the other day, and he was talking about, he and I were talking about spiritual warfare. And I said, spiritual warfare for me is wrapped up in one scripture. There's a principle to it, but one scripture, James 4, 7. Submit yourself to God and resist the devil, and he shall flee from you. Because the more you're submitted to God, the more you resist the devil. You know, Jesus said, I've given you all power over the power of the enemy, and by no means shall anything harm you. 
The word of God goes on and says that we punish all disobedience when our obedience is fulfilled. So the greatest thing that we can do is just do it God's way. Hello, somebody. Just tell your neighbor, just do it God's way. You know, we're better off doing it God's way. How many of you know God's smarter than you? Amen. Amen. He is smarter than you. He has a, his ways are higher than our ways, and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. But he's smarter than us. He knows what's best for us. So they get this word, and everybody came to church. Oh, glory to God, something's going to happen. That didn't happen. They all went back doing the same old thing. They went back, you know, to try to carve out a living for themselves, you know, to get a crop going. Here, verse 11, now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the Abazarite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. This is how oppressed they were. You know, he's just out trying to carve out a living, trying to make enough, uh, grow enough food for his family to live on. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. I want you to get a hold of this. The angel of the Lord, a lot of times when you see the word angel of the Lord, especially in the Old Testament, it's really the incarnate of Jesus himself. It's the Lord himself, okay? And so whether, you know, you want to believe it's an angel or the Lord, it doesn't really matter. It's a word from God. And so here he is, you know, he got this word. You know, and they all went back to doing what they needed to do just for self-preservation. You know, he's, he's weeding his garden. He's trying to get this wheat to grow. He's trying to do it in a way where the Midianites don't see it so he can make enough food for his family and maybe some of us, his kinsmen or maybe other people uh, that was, you know, in, in his particular area. And God walks up to him and said, hey, you mighty man of valor. Oh, he was just so excited about that salutation. Yep, that's me. Uh-huh. No, that's not what he said. He said, who are you talking to? Why would you call me a man of valor? Why did he have that attitude? Because of all the things that were going on in his life. And this is one of the things that we have to do, you know, in order for us to receive the word of God is not let what's going on the outside affect what's going on the inside. We can't let what's going on in this world affect God's promises for our lives. You know, I, I, you know the time that the Assyrians shut up, you know, uh, one of the cities, and they'll come to me here in just a moment. One of you guys will probably blurt it out to me here. But anyway, uh, Samaria, that's it. So they were shut up Samaria. You know, and Isaiah the prophet came and said, hey, don't worry about it. You know, and the man of God spoke and said, hey, by this time tomorrow, everything's going to change. You know, and so one of the guys said, well, God could open up the windows of heaven. How could this be? He couldn't even believe that with God's hand, things could change. And the man of God said, well, you'll see it, but you won't taste of it. And sure enough, he got trampled by all the people, and you read the rest of the story. And sure enough, the very next day, through an act of God, everything turned around. How many of you believe that everything can turn around for you in a day? God can make that happen. And he wants you to believe that. But, you know, here's Gideon, like, who, me? Uh, a, a, a man of valor? And look what he said. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, uh, the Lord is with you, man of, uh, you man of valor. And Gideon said, okay, Lord, if the Lord is with us, then why has all this happened to us? Huh? Come on. Let's be real. Who here besides pastor has said, now, God... <laughs> Where are all these promises? Come on, somebody. 
We all have. You know, and he's given us an example of somebody who was in the exact same situation that we, we've been in. Where are all these promises? You know, and God said, well, let's discuss this. No, he ignored it. He ignored what Gideon said. He said, and, and where are all these miracles which our father told us about? Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? And now what is he doing? He's proclaiming part of the prophecy, isn't he? That's what the word of the Lord was. Didn't he bring us up from Egypt? You know, but now the Lord has forsaken us in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? What is the might? It's the salutation. You mighty man of valor. What is the might? The assignment. I've called you to a higher level than this. He didn't go over what happened in the past because God's not interested where you come from. God's interested in where you're going, and he has a plan to get you there. Glory to God. Well, I've made too many mistakes, Pastor. You just don't know. Well, please don't tell me. We've all made mistakes. Who is perfect? That's why I shared that scripture. Who is perfect around here? It's not based on our works. It's based on what he has done for us and through us. It's all about him. And doesn't God get glorified when he turns our mess into a message? And so we see this. And so years ago, a few years ago, go with me to Isaiah 54. We got this word. And it's come again and again and again i don't know how many times but we keep on getting the same word you know you'd think that we got it the first time and it's in the scriptures you'd think we'd get a hold of this but this is what he's saying isaiah 54 1 through 4 sing O barren you have not born break forth into singing and cry aloud you have not labored with child for more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman says the lord Enlarge the place of your dwelling or the place of your tent. Let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you shall. Does that sound like a promise? You shall. All right. You shall expand to the right and to the left. And your descendants will inherit the nation's. Does that sound like something that Dutch Sheets just spoke? You know, what God's going to do in Missouri is going to tingle the ears of the nation? Come on, somebody, help me with this. Don't make me preach this by myself. Glory to God. And make the desolate cities inhabit it. Isn't that the word that Dutch Sheets says? It's going to start in four cities, but then it's going to just blossom all over the state of Missouri? Absolutely. And then he goes on and says, do not fear, for you will not be ashamed. Neither be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame. For you will forget the shame of your youth, and you will not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. So it was a few years ago, and, and uh, we got this word, and, and I was sitting there, and I don't know if it was in prayer or, or where it was, but we got this word, and, and it was spoken over us. Hey, you need to, and I'm like, oh, yeah, on the outside, I'm going, oh, yeah, I received this. But on the inside, I was saying, Really, Lord? Really? You know, I had a Gideon moment. You know, and my moment was, what about these other words? 
since you've spoken to us, and we haven't seen him yet, you know? That's just sometimes a little discouraging. And sometimes when you speak these great words out and you have such wonderful people come up to you and say, Pastor, you've been saying we're going to have a revival for 25 years and it ain't happened yet. Thank you for the encouraging word. I appreciate that so much, you know, but it's going to happen. I believe that with my whole heart. But I was having that Gideon moment, you know, really, Lord? And so, you know, I didn't do what Gideon did. You know, I went to the Lord the next day and I said, God, what is my problem? I didn't say, where's God? I know better than that. I know God's moving. I know God's things, God has things in motion. I know God has a plan for me. So I didn't say, oh God, where are you? What's your problem? Why are you letting me go through this? I didn't do that either. But I went to God and I said, God, What's my problem? What is it about me that's having a really hard time believing this? You know, and usually it takes, you know, a week or two before God responds to me, you know. But uh, it probably was about a half a second. I heard the Spirit of the Lord say, read verse 4 and you'll find your answer. Do not fear for you will not be ashamed. Neither be disgraced. For you will not be put to shame, and you'll forget the shame of your youth, and you'll not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. He said, the problem is that you have shame in your life. Because you have proclaimed some things that haven't come to pass, and people have ridiculed you. You know, years ago, you know, um, I, I did some messages on prospering. And we began to prosper, and, and God's blessed us, and we're still blessed. But we really stepped into a place of, of, of prospering, and some criticism came to the point it shamed me. I felt bad that I had money. Well, you got to understand, you know, when Vicki and I got married, we were so poor, we couldn't even pay attention. I mean, it was, I mean, hand to mouth, I mean, uh, month by month, you know, and, uh, you know, bless her heart, she was a single mom with two kids, and, and uh, you know, and, 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 and so then we get married, and, 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 and we both wanted to be in the ministry, and we both made minimum wage, you know, and, and, and it was tough, you know, and, you know, we, we didn't make a whole lot of money. Between the two of us, we made $12 an hour. Between the two of us when we got married. And so it was, it was pretty tough when we first got married. But you know, when we start prospering, it was nice. It was kind of nice to stick my hand and have a $20 bill in my pocket, something I hadn't had in a long time. You know, it, it was kind of nice. And then some jealousy rose up and some persecution, you know, and I backed off. And, and the Lord showed me, he said, you were ashamed of what I was doing for you. I was prospering you. Well, I want to let you know, I've repented. Amen. You know, we're beginning to prosper again. We're beginning to step in that same favor again. But I repented. I asked God to forgive me. Amen. And if you want to criticize me for being blessed, that's your problem. That's not my problem. You know, but if you want to be blessed, you ought to rejoice when I get blessed. Because in the house of God, it starts at the top and comes on down. Right. 
Amen? I mean, really, you know, if we're going to be to this city and this community an example, then we ought to be in a place where, you know, people go, I want to be like that. Really, we should. That's what God wants for us. That's not, you know, uh, that's, that, that's not a bad thing to have money. It's not a bad thing to be blessed. God wants you blessed. You know, and so when we begin to, we begin to do these things, you know, uh, again, you know, I, I began to realize when God spoke this to me, he said, got shame. Well, the other thing is shame came in because, you know, it was like, well, I see other churches or I see other people in faith and they have this and this and they have that and I don't have that. And God said, no, no, that's, that's what I've called them to do. And that's not what I've called you to do. Amen. There's a difference. Understand? And so just because you have problems, just because you've gone through sickness or just because you've gone through a setback or just because you've lost a job or you had a failed marriage doesn't mean that you're a bad person. God doesn't want you to have shame. And so the shame of the past tried to creep up. Shame of what other people said about me tried to creep in. And the Lord said, you know what? Look at that. You'll be, there'll be no more shame. You won't be ashamed anymore. In fact, in Isaiah 61, it says, I will cause your shame to be turned into double honor. Wow. And so, unfortunately, I let people shame me just because of my walk. I had people, I had people challenge my integrity and my loyalty and my commitment to my wife. Oh, are you really that committed to her? You bet your bottom dollar I am. Been faithful to this woman. 38 years. It's going to be 37 in just a couple months. Yeah, but I'm speaking prophetically. It's going to go for 38 years. But I dated you for a year and a half. So it's been 38 years. Somebody help me get back on track here. <laughs> but yeah, they quit. Well, are you really that faithful? To yes, I'm absolutely that faithful and loyal to my wife. My best friend is my wife. There's nobody I'd rather be than with my wife. You know, uh, you know well, I just don't know how a guy can live that. You know, it's not about, you know, how great I am. It's about the fact that I love God so much. Come on, somebody. I want to please him. And so as a result, I please her. Amen. And I please others. The others who weren't there. And this is why people criticize you. is because they want to bring you down to their level. Yeah. Well, you just, you just think you're so good. I don't think I'm good. God said I'm good. You know, I'm not going to argue with him. He put me in right standing. I'm not saying I'm perfect. You know, and so it created, you know, an onslaught of criticism that brought shame to my life. And I just said, Lord, okay, enough is enough. I'm just going to put it under the blood. So I coined a term. Don't drag yourself through the mud. Drag yourself through the blood. The blood of Jesus Christ. He redeemed you, which means he purchased you. He put you in right standing with him. This is why we rejoice. 
because he put us in right standing with him. And so we just, you know, we just took authority over that shame, broke the power of that, and said no more. Well, actually, you know, as I began to study that out, and I did a series on it a few years back, and, and, uh, and I've had several ministers just really just ask me to, uh, at that time, they said, you need to take this message all over the world. We went to Australia. We shared it there. We, everywhere we went, we shared this message, you know, because the enemy wants to convince you you're just not good enough. But God says you are. Tell your neighbor, says God says you're good enough. So he said, sing. So we talked last week about the importance of rejoicing, you know, put on a happy face. Amen. Someone said, well, I heard somebody say you fake it until you make it. No, 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 no. But you know what? Let me give you some insight here. You know, if you're happy on the outside, the devil doesn't know what's going on on the inside. I, I have to give you some good news here. The devil can't read your mind. He's an angel. God knows your thoughts. Yes. The Bible says he knows your heart better than you know your own heart. That's a little scary sometimes, isn't it? But nevertheless, he does. He knows your heart. He knows what you're thinking. He knows your thoughts. But he's the only one besides you and him. So the devil can't read your thoughts. So if I'm happy, even though something's, you know, turmoil is going on the inside, the devil doesn't know I'm, I'm not happy. All he can do is he can read my body language. And, you know, he's a champion at reading body language. You know, that's why the Bible says rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. Why? Because, you know, when you rejoice, you put the enemy to flight. That's why we start off with a shout, hallelujah. You know, when we shout to God, the shout of gladness and the shout of joy, it makes God so happy and it makes the devil mad. Amen? I like making the devil mad. How about you? Amen? He's tormented enough people, it's time that I torment him back. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And so this is why we rejoice. So sing. But then secondly, we need to overcome the past. And that's why it says in Isaiah 43, 18, he says, the first thing he says, forget the former things, nor consider, nor consider. Well, you know, Pastor, I mean, you know, if it wouldn't, this job I had and that person wouldn't have said what they said about me, quit thinking about that. Don't consider it anymore, for behold, I knew a new thing. The word behold means to take hold of this. Make it a part of you. I want to let you know I'm beholden to this beautiful woman here. And I love her so much, okay? And I put her in my arms and I take hold of her. And I just don't want to let her go. Oh, it feels so good. But I have to, honey. i got to finish this message. <laughs> anyway. But that's what that word behold means. It means to take hold of. To It's like, oh, I'm never going to let you go. I'm doing a new thing. Tell your neighbor God's doing a new thing. Just for you. A new thing. Shall you not know it? Are you positioning yourself to know that new thing? Are you expecting him to do that new thing? Did you hear the word of the Lord? Now I know moment. This is our time. This is our season. This is for us, glory to God. Now I know. 
said, well, pastor, I haven't heard of what God, you know, a member of this church very long. It doesn't matter. You're a part of what God's doing in this house. Hallelujah. And there are going to be some great things, some great testimonies. The spoil alert came for those who are new, didn't hear this just a few weeks ago. Another man of God prophesied that there are going to be spoils from the battle coming your way. You know, and I tell you, the testimonies just start flooding in. You know, Pastor, this happened. Pastor, I got a check from somebody unexpected. It wasn't a business deal. It was just random came to my house. Not a small check. Not a small check. A big check. Glory to God. I'm going to my mailbox every day. I open it up twice just just to make sure. I'm expecting. Well, what if somebody gave you a whole bunch of money? Wouldn't that money be good for the poor? Yeah, it'd be good for the poor, but it was given to me to do what I want with it. Come on, somebody. What you want to do with it? You know, I mean, God may want to give you enough money to go buy a new muscle car. You women said, yeah, that's what I want, four on the floor. No, you want a new floor. An updated kitchen. Come on, somebody. How big can you think? I mean, if God can give the children of Israel houses and land, how much more can he give you? For he's the God who can do exceedingly, abundantly above all that you can ask or even think. Amen. So I'm a little wound up. Amen. But I'm not going to give up. Hallelujah. I believe this with my whole heart. This is our now moment. Divine reversals. <laughs> oh, thank you, Jesus, man. Divine reversals. Suddenlies. Amen. Supernatural favor. You know, some of you are going to, Pastor, I got a promotion. Man, that's, that's, that's. Man, that's wonderful. Yeah, but I don't know how to do what they promoted me to do. That's wonderful too. Because God will show you. He wouldn't have put you in that position. He wasn't going to fulfill through you to reveal his glory. What brings glory to God? For you to do something you've never done before and you do it successful. God's doing some great things, folks. But more than that, just like the beginning of the service today, God's doing something in this house. So when Dr. Jerry Savelle got in the front seat of a car, I said, Welcome to Columbia, the city of the dove, the city of the Holy Spirit, and Family Worship Center, the revival hub of Mid-America. Because I welcome every one of our guest speakers that way. Because that's who we are. And that's what we're going to be. Amen. Amen. So what do we do? We rejoice. Number two, we got to forget. How do we forget? A lot of times it's just replace things with the good thoughts. This is why we're putting these before you. Begin to see yourself. Begin to see more. Begin to see breakthrough. Begin to see the... The, some of the oppressive things going, going around in this world begin to see them falling off of you and see yourself where God sees you.
And that's the key right there. Forget those former things. Replace those thoughts. You know, I, 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 I would have done this, but my wife has really strongly, strongly encouraged me not to do this. But I started to buy an antique refrigerator and have it painted red. <laughs> now, for those who are laughing, you're going to understand. There's some new people here. You don't understand that, okay? So how do you replace old thoughts? Okay, close your eyes. I want you to begin to meditate on the 1970s, the avocado that was in the kitchen, the avocado. Maybe let's just think about an avocado refrigerator. Anybody ever see one? They were old, I tell you. My mom had one, you know. So I want you to dwell on, well, let's just make it a red refrigerator. I want you to dwell on the red refrigerator. You know, they make them now, but they didn't used to make them. But I want you to see this red refrigerator. It doesn't matter if it's a, a Manna or, a, you know, a Kenmore or, a, a, you know, a High Point or, you know, a, a KitchenAid or anything like that. Just these, It doesn't matter if it's side by side or freezer on the top. Just have, can you picture that red refrigerator? You see that red refrigerator? Got that in red, red, red refrigerator. I went to a fire station and saw a red refrigerator one time. The Habitat for Humanity had a red refrigerator. I wanted to buy it really, really bad for the church, but my wife said it wasn't a good idea, but I didn't. So you see that red refrigerator? Well, you're going to have to forgive me because the new studies have come out, and they tell us that if you dwell on red refrigerators, it's not good for you. So quit thinking about the red refrigerator. Don't think about the red refrigerator. Quit thinking about what brand you want the red refrigerator to think about. Quit thinking about what's in the red refrigerator. Okay, don't think about that red refrigerator. What are you thinking about? All right, now start thinking about a stainless steel refrigerator. You've just been to Best Buy hmm, or an appliance store, one of those that you push a button and a TV screen comes on. Wow. I mean, aren't we high tech? I mean, you can talk to your refrigerator today. My problem is that my refrigerator talks to me. It says, there's ice cream in here. But you see that stainless steel, all of a sudden, I mean, just talking about that stainless steel refrigerator, what happened to the red refrigerator? It's gone. This is what you do with the new thing. You dwell on that new thing until it's just a part of you, until you're like putting yourself in a position to expect it, until you're going home. I mean, you're, you know, you're going to go home and you're going to expect the stainless steel refrigerator there. You're just expecting all of a sudden these new things to happen. That's what God means by forgetting the former thing. Don't, don't dwell there. Don't stay there anymore. And this is why it's so important. This word, I don't, is it on the website yet? Okay, this word that Jerry Savelle gave us, it's on our website. Go get it. Print it out. Speak it over and over and over yourself. Even You don't have to read the whole thing. Just get one or two bits and pieces of it and say, this is for me. Divine shifting. Divine intervention. Suddenly, glory to God is for me. This is our now I know moment, amen? Because God's doing a new thing. Shall you not know it? I've determined I'm going to know it. But you've got to forget the former things. You've got to let go of the past and embrace what God has for you in your life. Thank you for listening today. We believe God's Word is what will sustain us in any situation in our lives. For more information, please visit us at familywc.org or you can download the app. Look for us as FWC Como. 
Until the next time, remember, you are God's best. <laughs>